Welcome to the Leo Learning Podcast, helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Find us at leolearning.com. Today, we've got Leo's Director of Learning, Imogen Caseborn, and Principal Consultant, Jeff Bloom, discussing compliance training, also known as mandatory or regulatory training. Where we see organisations that put a lot of effort into their compliance, they're talking about a culture, um, a cultural shift potentially, or inducting people into a culture of carefulness. And you see that particularly in organisations where mistakes can lead to serious injuries and loss of life, because obviously that, that's very important, uh, or organisations where data breaches could have uh, very serious, serious potential, for example. And then we need to think about, well, what is compliance training? What is mandatory training really for? Um, And it's to help people change their behaviours and their mindsets around certain areas. So so you're getting then into an area of thinking about, well, what produces behaviours, what produces habits? Um, And the work of people such as Charles Duhigg or Fogg can be really interesting, thinking about what promotes behaviours. What is it in the environment that promotes behaviours? What is it in people's um, motivation, motivational mindset that promotes behaviours? Uh, and what role does training have to play? And obviously... Because, well, I mean, just you've yeah. mentioned a couple of people yeah. there because they've obviously sort of researched, you know, what, what does make a behavioural difference. Mm. And um, not everybody, I guess, will be familiar with those psychologists. What sort of things do they say, I think, is worth probably just touching on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Fogg talks about the three pillars of behaviours. Um, and he says, well, you know, you need to be motivated to do something. So say I I'm decide I'm going to, to lose a little weight. So um, I, I need to be motivated to do it. I need to understand how to do it. So I need to know um, about calories and that losing weight is often correlated with eating less and taking more exercise. If I don't know that, I probably won't be very successful. But then there are things in my environment. So, so when I walk home, if I walk past a donut store and it smells very nice, that might trigger the wrong type of behaviour. So I need to learn to walk past that donut store. So I need to be motivated to do it. I need to understand how to do it. And there's also um, elements of the environment that uh, will impact my behaviour. Yeah, and I think I think obviously so that that's an example that sort of you know everyone or not everyone, but I certainly also relate to. <laughs> um, but that's but but the thing is, I think that again, you know, it's very easy to assume that that people themselves and, and and people providing the training can sort of make a lot of assumptions about what people know or what will trigger the change of behaviour or, or what you know what's in the environment. But um, you know, when it when it comes to something like um, calorie loss, you know, if you, it's only recently with things like the introduction of very effective food labelling that you can look at something that you thought was reasonably healthy and realise that perhaps it isn't. You know, yeah. So 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 I think organisations um, and, and society, of course, can do an awful lot both within learning materials and within other areas to make sure that that all of those three elements are constantly improved. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's thinking about that in the round. Because training isn't going to fix something if a lot of what is driving the behaviour is to do with the environment and motivation. So training won't fix something if it's to do with the environment or to do with motivation. Um, an example would be if you, to, if you gave people training on mis-selling, but meanwhile incentivised them to mis-sell with some, some <laughs> aspect of your bonus system. Um, there was actually a court case in the US where a regulatory body found an organisation to be guilty of um, bribery, I think it was, and they actually used their training as evidence against them. 
because they believed that by creating that mandatory training, they were essentially, they'd created it as a defence in court and they were essentially allowing the behaviour to continue because they were continuing to have um, environmental within the organisation structures which drove the incorrect behaviour and they were holding up the training as a, as a fig leaf. So, so this is an area that, you know, you know, it's so important, I think, isn't it, that leadership um, uh, not only are aware of what's going on, have visibility of what's going on, but also understand the behavioural aspects of what's going on and how the, the learning content can affect that as well. So it's something that I think, you know, in many ways has to go right up to, to board level, certainly senior learning exec level. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to go back again to the sort of limits of what training can do, I mean, we were talking the other day about health and safety training and about um, whether or not you carry your cup um, around to a meeting if it's full of hot liquid. And you might feel that that's probably not ideal if there are lots of stairs, but you're going to do it anyway because you're time pressed and it's not a lack of knowing. It's a lack of incentivization or motivation or you're taking a, a judgment about the level of risk to yourself and, and whether it matters. And it's very unlikely, we thought, that um, further training was going to change either of our behaviour in this respect. Um, we, we need some other Maybe kind of motivational <laughs> input, I think. Yeah. So, so, so training isn't always going to be the sole answer around behaviour change. And, and that's often important to know. It's also important, I think, to be aware that sometimes it is. And I think an example would be perhaps anti-bribery, because that's a pretty complex subject, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think so. And, and, and I mean, people know not to, not to bribe people, clearly. That's the bit of it that's very, very simple. But, uh, the, but the, the normal organisational life, you know, re- requires people to um, travel and to, to meet with clients and so on and so forth and, and to eat together and things like that. And, and different organisations have different standards. But I think that uh, where people tend to have a, a problem with these things is where Things aren't clear-cut. Um, what was your perception in terms of, of, of whether things are, are improving? Mm. Well, I, I, think, I think they are. I've seen, I've seen organisations doing, doing a lot of this now. Um, I'm seeing a lot more tailoring, um, a lot more personalisation. Um, I'm seeing recognition that people want to access training in, in smaller, shorter timeframes, potentially, yeah. over time. Um, and we know that that's often a good thing because that often helps retain information. So designing things to be bite-sized, designing things in 15-minute chunks rather than perhaps a few years ago you'd see courses that were an hour long. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing more delivery over time, um, more um, testing and changing questions, having question banks um, and updating the questions on an annual basis to ensure that the tests remain fresh. So I'm seeing, seeing a lot of that kind of practice being embedded. And, and also, you know, we know we're working on more of that dramatised and storytelling approach yeah. um, with, with many clients, I think. I think some clients also have the infrastructure to support that. So they, they sort of, you know, some, some, you know, some of the older learning management systems weren't necessarily great at measurement or, or tracking or, or certainly not if things were, uh, you know, multi, multi-component based. Um, but I think increasingly learning management systems are, are getting much better at uh, tracking these things and measuring, um, you know, not only whether people have completed stuff or not, but the sort of things that people are um, getting right or getting wrong, or the sort of things actually have, actually are are affecting behaviour. And that's a really important point you're making there, Jeff. I think because previously we could measure whether people had completed the e-learning and whether they what what score they had in achieved in any test, but that was about it. But now, if we're providing, as we were saying, ideally we would performance support for some of those more complex topics, it's becoming possible to track how people are accessing those uh, informal learning assets 
um, and how that changes with how people are accessing the training and to correlate that against other types of data. So, so we're able to, we're starting to be in a position to measure these sorts of things, I think, much more effectively. Um, I think we're in quite early days for measurement, um, but a lot of organisations are starting to look at that. And I think that might be an area where we start to see real change over the next few years, um, because it will make continuous improvement so much easier. Um, it would be possible to see which questions everyone finds difficult and then have a look at that question and find out why people find it difficult. Is it badly worded or is it a really difficult point that the organisation perhaps needs to address? So so that kind of data, I think, is going to be invaluable in the future. Well, also, you know, are are there questions that absolutely everybody gets right and nobody ever ever gets wrong? Exactly, in which case perhaps we need to take (laughs) those out and refocus. So that ability to, to improve based on data, which I think is going to really help lift um, and take compliance um, further on its journey to, to excellence. So, so just because it's got better doesn't mean there's not an awfully lot further, not a lot further it can go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's worth remembering how much of compliance training is still takes place in the classroom. Yeah. And while that is uh, much of that is maybe excellent, it won't be so easy to track. And obviously, it doesn't fit so easily into people's working patterns. So I think there really is a role for targeted digital learning to support this area. Yeah, I, well, totally. And I, I think there's obviously pros and cons, because one of the things you can do in the classroom is you can you can debate and you can learn from each other through that debate and, and through, um, you know, things that crop up that, you know, may not have been anticipated by the, 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 the learning, a sense, sort of centralised learning provider. But then, then you've got challenges as well. And I think the other thing that's worth thinking about is gaining some of the benefits of consistency and the sort of excitement of sort of high-grade stories and things that you can do digitally um, compared to uh, some of the benefits in the classroom. So I think the other thing that some organisations are doing is, is, is using, you know, more of a blend of different types of learning. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, there are some topics which, such as lifting, where you would want to, to, to have an instructor view <laughs> what you were doing. But, of course, as, um, you know, we all have phones in our pockets with videos, it will be possible in the future for people to video themselves every three months to show that the lifting is, is happening correctly. So, so all yeah. of those sorts of things can certainly supplement the classroom. So I think that's uh, we're drawing to the end <laughs> of, of what's been a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Joe. Well, thank you too. But I mean, I think, I think to sum up, it's, there's a lot of things to think about um, and to do that in a way that is sort of concise and efficient and, and personalised. Um, needs needs a bit of planning, doesn't it? It does, so. and, and I think there's a for some organisations a need to look back and uh, and revise uh, existing provision. Yeah. You've been listening to the Leo Learning Podcast, helping global organisations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Visit leolearning.com for more learning insights. <laughs>